0: Thank you for joining us today for the Sunrise Message of the Week podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Sunrise Christian Center and our sponsors, the Send Network and Seattle Bible College. For more information, check out isunrise.org. Please help us get the word out by subscribing, downloading, rating, and reviewing this podcast. The more
1: you interact with our content, the more people will hear it. Today, Pastor Dan continues the series, The Kingdom Heart of a Disciple, with a message on, blessed are the poor in mourning. We're gonna be looking at the Sermon on the Mount. If you didn't hear Pastor John's message last Sunday, I encourage you to listen to it. A number of people commented to me of how it changed their lives. Uh, There's a number of people that said me it was probably the greatest message they ever heard. So if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to the message. And uh, we're doing a series together on uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And I wanna be obedient to the Lord all week. If you're like me, you know sometimes when God tries to speak to you, you're thinking, well, I'm doing this, and then he kind of speaks you to do something that doesn't always make sense to you. How many of you have God interrupt you like that? I'm so glad my plans aren't very good and that God interrupts them all the time to do whatever he wants to do, and we just have to have ears to hear. It doesn't mean we shouldn't plan. We should plan and ask God to guide us and direct us. But I couldn't get rid of this hymn in my heart. It was written many years ago uh, in a whole different a whole different um, century by Francis Havergal. My wife and I sang it, at, had it sung by Leiden Ingebrigtsen from Westgate Chapel at our wedding. A long, long time ago, 40 some years ago. And uh, I just felt like we're sp- speaking about the kingdom heart of, of a disciple in this series on the Sermon on the Mount. We're also uh, saying that make is the new go. And so I just felt like this kind of embodied both those things. So I, I want to sing this as our prayer as we ask God to guide us. And we're going to sing it a cappella. You all know it. Uh, what Frances Havergal says that as she was. Approaching a house, there were some people that were nominal Christians and there were other people that were not saved. And as she went to the house, she said, God, please give me all that are in the house. And she went there to visit. As she stayed in the house, they all had an encounter with God, and the unsaved got saved, and the nominal Christians got totally committed to Christ. And she was so touched by this when she tried to go to sleep, she couldn't get these words out of her heart and mind. I think you'll all know them. It's called Take My Life. So if they'll put it up on the screen. That's gonna be our prayer today. If we're gonna have the kingdom heart of a disciple, I think this is really epitomizes. Because you know what? We don't need more rhetoric. We don't need more talking heads. We need more kingdom disciples that have the heart of God, yes. to share the heart of God. And we need to get away from the polarization, the politicalization that polarizes us and separates us from people. So we're gonna sing this. Would you join me in singing? this is our prayer of consecration. Um, all through the week as I've been studying, I, I've had to stop and I've just started weeping um, through the week. And I said, God, we need such a move. Of God, Thank so thankful yesterday that many people joined in prayer in Washington, D.C. And we, we need a move of the Holy Spirit. It's the only thing that will save our nation. So let's make this our prayer as we start the message.
0: Take my life and let it be consecrated lord to thee take my moments and my days let them flow in ceaseless praise let them flow in ceaseless praise take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee swift and beautiful For thee, take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages for thee filled with messages for Thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power thou shalt choose every power as thou shalt choose take my will and make it thine it shall be no longer mine Take my heart, it is Thine own. It shall be Thy royal throne. It shall be Thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure store take myself and i will be
1: That's our prayer today in Jesus' name. And as we look at the Sermon on the Mount, as we desire to have the kingdom heart of a disciple, Lord, what a challenging teaching, Lord. One of your greatest teachings that was ever taught, Lord Jesus, teach us how to be your disciples. Make us your disciples and may we go. Lord, it really means as we're going, we're to make disciples, we're to influence people with your love. Give us the grace and the ability. Give us ears to hear what you're saying. And Lord, help me to convey your heart in Jesus' name. Amen. We look at Matthew 5. I think it's important to get the background in the book of Matthew. and We see that after they heard that John had been put in prison, um, Jesus departed to Galilee. He left Nazareth and came and dwelt in Capernaum, which was by the sea of the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. And He uh, did what was fulfilled by the prophet Isaiah. And then it says, from that time on, in verse 17 of chapter four, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, I believe there's gonna be a great move of the Holy Spirit, his goodness working to cause people to repent and turn back to God. It's what our nation needs more than anything all the things that we've been going through the last numbers a year the polarization the politicalization the who knows who's telling the truth i've got one person i know is telling the truth and that's god he always tells the truth and he's the only hope for our nation and so the kingdom of heaven is at hand and he wants to use you and the king lives in you that's why the kingdom of heaven is within you so you can have the kingdom of god at hand and can touch people with his love and then he's preaching and later on in matthew chapter 4 and this is really a picture of the world that we live in the nation we live in the neighborhood that we live in and jesus went about all galilee teaching their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people then his time his fame went excuse me then his fame went throughout all syria and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon possessed epileptics and paralytics and he healed them Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And I believe there's going to be such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all flesh that we're going to see the fame of Jesus that will once again go out through our country, through our nation, to the nations of the earth. And what God created America for was to take the gospel of the kingdom into the nations of the world, first with this nation and our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and to go into the uttermost parts of the earth. And I love what it says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, 28 and 29. It says they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority. And when you and I walk in kingdom relationship with the king uh, and we're under his authority, we can walk in kingdom authority. And the same things that happened in Matthew chapter 4. See, right now, the United States, the nations are sheep without a shepherd. I know I'm generalizing there's many people that know him but there's many people that do not know him. And Jesus saw the people the sheep without a shepherd. He didn't see them as us against them or the right against the left or you know blue against red or you know this person against that person. He knew that the enemy and evil and demonic forces and powers were the enemies that we're all really fighting. So it's very very important that we learn that we learn to fight in the heavenly realm and not fight and get involved so much in all the things that drag us down into an earthly fight when we have heaven available to us in the kingdom of heaven so let's look at the first two it says the first four verses we'll look at the first two which are in verse three and four but it says as pastor john spoke and seeing the multitudes he went up on a mountain and when he was seated with his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, it's very uh, fascinating, these first two Beatitudes, because he you know, was going up on the mountain uh, with his disciples. He had the multitudes that were following them that were coming from all over the place. I believe we're going to see that again, where the multitudes are going to start to come after Christ, and they're going to show up at church, and we need to be ready. We need to prepare. it. It's part of why we're doing the discipleship that we're doing. I encourage you to get involved if you're not involved. Yes, there is homework. You don't grow if you don't do homework, yep. Yep. and we, as one of the most blessed nations of the earth, we need a, a work ethic restored. Yes. I, I, you know, I'm tired of hearing people, well, eh, you know, I don't really have time to study, and and you know, you know, I kind of did that in the past, and you're not going to grow if you don't gr- keep growing. You're going to stagnate. Okay. It's very important. I'm I'm in I'm in four different you know. So if anybody wants to tell me it's really hard to do discipleship, I have. I have uh, th- uh, two more besides that I'm doing. I'm teaching four Bible school classes. I have to prepare. I'm te- teaching the whole book of Revelation. And you know what? You only grow. The Talmud says to learn, one must teach. Yeah. And so it's very important that we g- develop an attitude. I don't care how old you are. Some of the greatest learning happens at 60, 70, and 80 years of old, and you have some experience. So don't give me this, oh, I've done my thing. You know, I'm just retiring now. You better get refired. The only retiring you can do is take your old tires off put some new tires on and get going i have a bunch of people come and say well how is retirement i said i don't know i haven't gotten to heaven yet <laughs> i didn't retire i just got refired and reassigned that's all so don't give me the stuff about how's retirement it's way overrated unless you're talking about the ultimate retirement in heaven so he takes the disciples up it appears from the different gospels and what we know from history, there was more than just the 12 disciples. And he sat down, it was a rabbi's custom, and they would follow him, and often he would sit down when he was going to teach something important. So he was teaching them the Sermon on the Mount. It's probably one of the greatest teachings that was ever taught anywhere in the history of mankind and will be. And they were astonished at his teaching. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, blessed is used 55 times in the New Testament. It means happy and more. It's, it's an interesting word. It's symbolic of happiness identified with a pure character and with a oneness with God. It's much more than just being giggly happy because you heard a good joke or you just got a pay raise. It's a, it's a joy and a satisfaction that comes from God alone yeah. when you're blessed by him. Yeah. And I don't know about you. I'm very satisfied. But I'm also satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. And I'm not a rolling stone. It's not that I can't get no satisfaction, I'm a living stone. Now I know how to roll, because we had our grandkids over and I took them to Dick's yesterday. And and, you know, I tell them what happens at grandma and papa's house stays at grandma and papa's house. And I know how to roll. I, I respect what my kids say about eating as much as I can. But every once in a while you gotta just, you know, let them have some fun. You gotta have a Dick's cheeseburger and fries and a chocolate shake. And this word, blessed, in the Greek language is very emphatic. So you need to understand that the Greek language has, there's something, so, it, so if we read it in our English, it would really say, blessed is the man who's poor in spirit. So the, the emphasis is that when you're poor in spirit, you're very blessed. You're very satisfied. You're very full. Now, it, it, it seems almost paradoxical. How could a man that's poor in spirit be blessed? I'm glad you ask. I'll tell you. It's the Greek word makarios, which means special joys and satisfaction. And remember, we don't sing you can't get no satisfaction. We know satisfaction and blessing comes from having a relationship with the living God. And the word poor is the word Pentecost, which means a common word that signifies uh, every possible degree of want or need in a person's life. This is a realization of that I'm totally destitute without God. That I, that, I, that I totally can't produce anything in my life or be, oh, I can, I can be happy when I got a raise or when I take a vacation, but this is a, an eternal satisfaction. Right. And you know, I found that some of the happiest people on earth are some of the poorest people I've met and some of the richest people I've met in my life are some of the poorest people I've met. Right. Money can't buy you happiness. Uh-huh. I'll tell you, a relationship with Jesus buys you everything. Yes. Yes. And it's very, very important we realize how much we have. One man said this, that uh, he said, I put it this way, that I am poverty-stricken in the coinage of God without God. I am poverty-stricken in the coinage of God. Jesus is rich in mercy. He's rich in love. He's rich in forgiveness. He's rich in righteousness and holiness. And all the, everything that he has is yours when you receive Christ. And it's very amazing. I love Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. The prophet Isaiah says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house with which you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? And in Acts 7, Dr. Luke quotes Isaiah about Stephen and the thing that's going on in Stephen in the middle of the message. And you know what? He's basically saying, my people are really my temple. My people are what I want to work in. My people are who I want to work through and thank God for a building. And I've had people say, well, the church is not a building. And I said, yeah. And your home's not, a, you know, your, your family's not a house, but you need one to live in. Sometimes we get so super spiritual that, you know, it, it's almost, it, we won't go there. It'll get me <laughs> off track. And then he said in, in verse two. For all these things in Isaiah 66, my hand is made and all those things exist said the Lord, but on this one will I look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. When I was studying the word of God and I read that, I was just thinking about how his word has been so precious to me. And how many times in my life I've sat and I've realized how gracious and kind God has been to me in my life. And how merciful and how holy he is, and yet he bids me to come and I realized when I'm poor in spirit, when I realize that without him I have nothing, but with him I have everything. And I was thinking back about being poor in spirit, and I thought of some experiences that I'll share in just a moment, but I want to think about Christ, he's our example. That said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, although he was God, thought it not robbery that he, being equal with God, thought it not robbery even to humble himself and to come to earth and die the death of a cross. I mean, he could, have, he could have said, you know what, he, he left heaven. He left his place as God at the right hand of the Father. And he said, Father, I'll be willing to go and not only go to earth to communicate with the people of earth, but I will die on a cross for their sins. And as, as hard as I've tried to comprehend it with my mind, I, I can't ever get my mind all around it. All I can do is worship at his feet and say, God, give me greater revelation of what it meant that you left heaven to die on a cross for me and for the world. We need that foremost in our mind in the world that we live. That's why God has left us here, not only to worship him, but to tell others that they can repent and turn to Christ and they can be forgiven and they can receive the love of the creator. He said, you know what? I dwell in the high and the lofty place in heaven. I, I dwell predominantly in two places there. And I dwell amongst a people who have a broken and a contrite spirit and who tremble at my word. We need to get back to trembling at his word. Sometimes we treat it so lightly. But as I studied this week, I, I had to stop in many, much of my study. And I just had to sit and weep. As I said, Lord, sometimes as we grow in you, we, we start to think that we deserve things or that we earn things or that it's all by your grace. You know, the older brother, the problem was he thought, I, I, I did better than him. I, I, I outperformed him and he messed up. And father, why didn't you give it to me? And what did, what did the father say? It's always been your son. You could have been enjoying it all the time. But when you get religious, you know what, you start pointing out everybody else's faults and Show how you're better than someone else. And it says in Matthew chapter 5, 20, if your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, guess what? You'll have no part in the kingdom. And it's easy to get self-righteous. Oh, did you see how bad it was what they did? Oh, it's terrible what they said. And it's terrible what that people did. And oh, look at us. And we're way better than them. Remember the man who stood at the altar and said, oh God, I thank I'm Not like that sinner over there. There was a man that beat his chest at the altar and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it said, guess what? That man went home justified, and that man went home in his sin. And you know what? If you really and I really have a kingdom heart, when our brother that walked away from God comes back to home, you know what? We won't care. We'll kill the fatted calf, and we'll rejoice that our brother that was lost is found and find that really it's all about the kingdom. It's not about how much money or how much stuff we have or what we get. It's really about relationship with God and with people. And some of the poorest people in the world that I've met are the happiest people. I've been in some countries where, you know, they might have a block house without a roof and a sheet across their door. And you'll go in there, your kids are having more fun. And I'm thinking, man, this is living. And I've gone in places where they have swimming pools and boats and airplanes and you know so much money you don't even know what they do with all their money and they're the most miserable people I've ever met and I remember when I got to lead one of my friends to Christ after I first got saved it wasn't good to be around me when I first got saved because you heard everything about Jesus you could ever hear I was really really a fanatic and I'm saying God I want to be like that again I want to be a fanatic And I remember I was in his home and I'd been there earlier in the week and I was walking up and down his stairs and I'm going, Lord, he's, he's not a Christian and he's got this beautiful house. And I was walking up and down the stairs and he had called me and said, Dan, my wife left me. I didn't know anything about it. She, there was a note written that says, not your fault. I never really loved you. He came home one night from work and all her stuff was gone. And there was just a note. I mean, everything was gone. All her stuff, all her clothes in one day. He left to work that morning, kissed his wife goodbye, came home and she was gone. And he called me in the middle of that. He grew up in the Assembly of God Church. He used to go in the bathroom and play cards underneath the, in the stalls during services because he didn't want to be in the service. They'd play cards together and pick their feet up when somebody came in, pull the cards out. But he, and I said, you know what, if you receive Christ today, guess what? I don't know if your wife will ever come back. You're not receiving him to get your wife back. You're receiving him because you need him as your Lord and Savior. And I remember that day he gave his heart to Christ. But before I led him to Christ, as I was walking up the steps, I said, Lord, and the Lord, I'll never forget what God said. I don't know about you. God doesn't speak to me. You know, people that get seven page you know, pages of message from God, I'm always a little suspect of. I don't know about you. God's just gives me, you know, Proverbs one-liners that mess me up enough. I got a seven-page letter. I don't know if I could handle it. Does anybody else hear what I'm saying? Some people act like they talk to God every 43 seconds, and he tells them everything they're doing. He just said to me as I was walking up the steps before I led him to Christ, when I was coveting his house because, I didn't. Lord, I'm serving you, and, I, and I, you know, I, was, I was all about God. Why aren't you blessing me? He's not even living for you, and look what he's got. He's got a house and everything. You know what God said to me? Do you want what he has or what you have? I'll tell you, I had a repentance party before I got up to the to the top of the stairs to talk to him about Jesus. And I realized, oh God, I'm coveting the house when I have salvation, when I have God. And I remember when I went into Uganda and I was asked to go into this far place out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we drove we drove for like two hours and we didn't see anything but matoki trees. One of the ladies from Uganda said, "I'm so glad you'd mentioned matoki. If you haven't had matoki, you haven't lived yet. You got to put peanut sauce on it." Or as Put wet on it. You that been to Africa? Know what matoki is? Hopefully, <laughs> Bethany probably knows what matoki is. And we put peanut sauce. It's like a banana. That's more like a squash. And you got to put something on. It. I love their peanut sauce. It's like peanut butter sauce on top. It's, I'm gonna get hungry. And anyway, <laughs> and then the banana. All you see is these matoki trees, banana trees, and you see coffee plants. And we drive and drive. And I'm thinking, I go, God, this is the middle of nowhere. There's nobody here. We drove over hills, and I mean, you're going like this, and you're, you know, there's ruts in the road, and you're climbing, I mean, you're, you're wondering if you go off the edge of a cliff. And then they, they stop, and, and I say to God, this is the middle of nowhere. And he you know, the Lord said to me, he said, I'm going to show you, I'm in the middle of nowhere. And I said, oh, I was just thinking, okay, God. So we go out there, and there's nobody there, and then there's this, all of a sudden, a, a hatched hut, a, a thatched hut, about as big as that, <laughs> drum cage. And there's a little window in it, and they say they go there. And I go, what? They said, that's where the church is. And I'm looking, there's nobody there. And, and they say, here, they say, here, Mzungu, here, white man, play the drum. Well, if you know me, I got a little bit of rhythm. But you know, playing the drums in Africa is probably not my calling. So I'm I'm like, you know, trying to go like you know, and this little boy comes walking out of the bushes. He's about this tall. He looked like about five years old. He had one of his eyes was hanging out of the socket. And he said, no, Mzungu, no, let me. And he starts going. And he starts, like, shaking all these different ways. And with God as my witness, within a few, like, minutes, all of a sudden there's, like, over 200 people in the thing, outside the thing. They're singing and dancing, and I'm, like, I'm, like, overwhelmed. And I get so overwhelmed that, God, you love these people so much in the middle of nowhere, they're in this little hut thing. And the presence of God came down so strong, I cried for about two hours. I couldn't talk. I was the guest speaker, and I never talked. <laughs> I couldn't even open my mouth because I was overwhelmed with God's love for a people in the middle of nowhere in a village. And my friend that was with me, the same thing happened to him. I tried to try and talk, but I couldn't even talk. And he just shook his head, too, and we cried. They threw us back in the truck because we weren't, couldn't <laughs> right, kind of get in the truck or the van. And then they got up and they said, we want to thank you for, 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 for your message. And you brought God's love here. And I'll never forget it. They were some of the happiest people I'd ever seen. And they had a drum and a mud hut. And I was overwhelmed with the love of God. See, when, when you're poor in spirit, when you realize all we really need when it gets down to it is God, and he'll take care of the food and the clothes, and, but we're so wrapped up in all that stuff. I love what Psalm 34, says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all his troubles. In Revelation three seventeen it says, Because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are a wretched, miserable, blind, poor and naked, I counsel you to buy me gold tried in the fire, that you may be rich and wh- and have white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Anoint your eyes with eye have that you may see. As many as I love I rebuke and chasten. And therefore be zealous and repent. Boy, if it describes the American church, you know we've been so blessed. And we've got fat and sassy. We talk about how God blesses us and what it means is we've got what we want. I'll tell you, some of you need to travel to some of the countries and meet some of the people that have sacrificed their lives. And they're so rich. They're poor in spirit, but theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I'll tell you, oftentimes when I go, I get way more blessed than I bless because they deposit something in me that God wants to deposit in me that I need. E. Stanley Jones wrote an incredible book. He's written a number of them. He was an incredible missionary statesman to India. He affected India. He was a phenomenal uh, leader. And he wrote the book, one of the books that he wrote of many was The Unshakable Kingdom and the Unchanging Person. And he says this. You'll put it up on the screen. How blessed are they who know their need of God. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. This is the keynote of the kingdom. It strikes a dart straight at the heart of self-sufficiency, the ego. Be poor enough to receive, and everything is open to you. Above all, the very kingdom of heaven belongs to you. Not that you belong to the kingdom of heaven, you do, but more astonishing still, the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. All its resources, all its forgiveness, all its power, all its everything belongs to you if you are poor enough to receive it. See, you and I, when we realize we're poor in spirit, we begin to receive the kingdom. You don't achieve the kingdom, you receive the kingdom. You don't achieve a relationship with Christ, you receive that. You don't achieve a relationship with the Father, you receive it. I hope you learn and I learn to become better receivers. Because when we're poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven is ours. And when we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things get added unto us. I love it, and we'll get to it later on. It talks about, you know, don't have any anxious thoughts about tomorrow. Don't worry about what you're going to wear and what you're going to put on, and all those things. Your father has need of all those things before you even worry about them. And don't take any anxious thoughts about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. You got enough to do today to be concerned about. I remember one of my darkest moments. I ask God, I don't I haven't often done it, but I said, Lord, I just I just need some kind of sign. And I don't I didn't necessarily mean a miraculous, supernatural. I need you to somehow speak to me that in the middle of this pain and hurt I'm going through, that you know what's going on. You're just there for me. That's all I need to know. And I started to read about his eyes on the sparrow. Not one sparrow falls from the ground, and all of a sudden, just like all these sparrows start to fly into my backyard, and I'm looking out the window. And I just started to see those sparrows and he said, I brought all those sparrows just for you. See, when you're poor in spirit and you know you need him, the kingdom of heaven is ours. Not will be, although it will be, but your, the kingdom of heaven is ours. I believe God's bringing the church to a place where we're gonna be poor in the spirit in our nation. Because we have to admit, as Christians, we've often been up here looking down at people or you know, saying they're evil, they're bad, you know, they're, they're not doing what's right. And, we need to get poor in spirit that we can begin to receive from the kingdom of heaven all the resources that the world needs. That's why he left us here. In Isaiah 6, when we sang that song about the Lord is holy and we talked about his holiness, after they touch his lips, the, the the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they say, Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I. You know, that, that's the cry today for the church. It's not how many more, you know, videos can we put out? How many more. Clever arguments, can we tell the other side how they're wrong? But he's looking for people that will say, here, my Lord, I'll go. I'll leave my place of comfort. I'll, 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 I'll be misunderstood. I'll, I'll die the death of the cross. You know, I've been un- misunderstood by people because I showed up at places. Oh, you showed up at a Black Lives Matter. Yeah, that's where Jesus would be. He wouldn't be watching CNN and Fox News. He'd be actually out where the action is. He'd actually be out with the multitudes or the broken, hurting people sharing love and the gospel. And you know how many times just supernaturally, accidentally, I got sat right next to the people who were the leaders of the things, and I didn't even know I was clueless. Like Dr. List, I've got that Mr. Magoo anointing. And people said, how did that happen? I go, I don't know. I don't know how I met that person. I don't know how I got invited to do that thing. I just showed up somewhere. I just showed up at this, the Sean Fuched um, you know, thing they had with leaders before. Somebody said, oh, Pastor Dan, you should like watch this thing. Sean Fuchs gonna be on and they're gonna talk about the thing that's going on in Seattle. And I had a kind of emergency with someone I got on about 10 minutes late. So I just come on, there's about 40 leaders. And all of a sudden, it appeared that Tracy Armstrong was in. He goes, "Oh, there's 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 Pastor John and Pastor Dan. Pastor Dan's been like the father of revival over this whole movement, and you know, uh, we want you to say something. We want you to pray over all of us." And I'm like, uh, blah, 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 blah. and people said, "How did that happen?" I go, "I don't know." And they said, "You know what? After we went down there, I just I was just like there in the crowd. I had my Seahawk hat. I was kind of incognito because." Sometimes I like just to go places and have to do nothing but just be in his presence. Yeah. And afterwards he came up and said, I want to meet with you and your son. I want to get to know you. So last Friday, John and I met him over in Totem Lake. And we were starting to build a relationship with other leaders say, How can we serve you? You just need to start showing up places. And not, not on Facebook, not on Google. You know, I, I've seen so many conspiracy theories. I wonder, where, where, where did they all come from? from most of them from hell. I've got, the, I've got the greatest conspiracy theory that's ever been manifest, the conspiracy of the kingdom of God invading earth with the good news of the gospel with signs and wonders and healing and deliverance and baptizing people in water and the Holy Spirit. Let's get the message out that needs to be heard. I don't need to be told by another leader, if, if you wear a mask, you're going to take the mark of the beast. Please. Is that your message to the church and the world? So when I take it off, I guess I got a new message. And then you wonder why the world doesn't want to listen to us. Hello? No, we won't go there either. Lord have mercy. It's the second service you have to put up with me. And so here we see, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So all that's available to the kingdom, those that are poor in spirit, that are relying on God, it's all available to us. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen deaf people here. I've seen lame people walk. I've watched body parts put in people. I've watched cancers fall off people. I've watched people that were told they'll never live. I've watched cancer shrivel in people. We prayed, and the doctor said, I don't know what happened, but that cancer shriveled. I've watched people have creative miracles in their bodies. And when people come and say, Do you believe in miracles? And I go, I'd be an idiot not to. That's what I tell them. They say, Well, how many have you seen? I said, Thousands over my lifetime. It's what the kingdom's about. And it's not about you got to perform better or you got to do this or, well, boy, if I had more faith. Say, no, just pour in spirit. Say, Lord, I'm here. I'm available. Take my life and let it be. I'm just going to show up wherever you tell me to show up, and all of a sudden, miracles start to happen. Because the king lives in you. And you're poor in spirit, and the king starts to show up through your life to love people, to bless people. God loves people, he doesn't take sides, he takes over. Then he says, blessed are those who mourn. It almost seems like a contradiction. You go from the kingdom is theirs. They have everything available in the kingdom. Then he goes, blessed are those who mourn. Now, if you look at these things just at face value, it's like, how are you blessed by mourning? I'm glad you ask. This is not the mourning, I believe, of someone who's lost a loved one. Oh, God greatly cares when someone loses a loved one. I don't think it's about the grieving a loss of a of a of an animal or a job or money or resources all, the, all those things are very important to people i believe the morning here is about a morning that comes for those who know that people without him are dying and going to hell yeah. right. that realize I'm, I'm here on earth to bring the gospel of the kingdom to people who need him I'm not here to tell the church, well, you're wrong and we're right and da 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 da. I'm here to say, you know what? I'm here to see people get saved. I'm here to see the gospel of the kingdom move in power. And I'm blessed when I mourn and I weep over those that are without Him. And when I see people not just as another side of the aisle or this color or that thing or this thing or who's what about this, but I see them as people that are sheep without a shepherd that need a Savior and a deliverer. And that's my business. I'm part of the Jesus party. I'm part of the kingdom party. And it's a type of grief that's really too heavy for concealment. It's the word pentheo, which is often joined with throneo, which is to weep audibly. Jeremiah 9.1, he wept day and night for his people. He also, in Jeremiah 13.7, said his eyes ran down with tears. In Isaiah 22.4, it says Isaiah wept bitterly. Another quote from E. Stanley Jones is powerful. Put it up on the screen. So the second beatitude of those who mourn, of those who care, care that many, that most people do not know the kingdom are unhappy and frustrated. So we mourn for them, a redemptive mourning, a mourning that does something about it beyond mourning. Jesus was a man of sorrows. When he went to the tomb of Lazarus and he wept, he wept because he mourned over the people that didn't understand the love of the Father and the love of Jesus and who he was and what he could do. Paul wept, it says, in Acts 20 when he was going to leave them. He served the Lord with all humility in verse 19. With many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. And then he said, therefore watch in verse 31 of chapter 20 of Acts and said, remember that for many years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with my tears. And he said, there's going to come in people among you when I die and when I leave and when I'm sacrificed on the altar and when I'm martyred. They're gonna come in and they're gonna try and raise up disciples after themselves. There's gonna be those from without that are gonna come in and disrupt things. He said, I warned you with tears. And he reminded them of the mission they were given to be disciples of the kingdom. Those people will be comforted. The morning that comes when you weep over the lost and the broken. For many years I've walked through this building. Many times I've just started to weep when I'm here alone. I hear the cries of the homeless and the cries of the drug addicts and the cries of the people that are wealthy not far from here that are miserable. I hear the cries of the Boeing workers. I hear the cries of the people. and Something starts to happen in my heart. I say, oh, God, I want to reach them. I want to reach them with the gospel. I want them to know the love and the forgiveness. I can't be satisfied to just be complacent with where I am. And there's people that are dying and going into a Christless eternity. And if you have the heart of a kingdom disciple, you'll be mourning. I'll tell you, there's a comfort that comes. You know, when the comfort comes, when when they get saved, when they show up at church, when you reach out and you watch them become a disciple and a follower of Jesus, that's your comfort. And you like to stick it to the devil too, in the middle of all that comfort. We need to mourn over our nation. We're in such a bankrupt place spiritually, but it's positioned us really for a right move of the Holy Spirit. The lost, the backslidden, nominal believers. We need a move of the Holy Spirit. We'll be comforted by the comfort. I'm going to close with this. As I've been studying some of the homework that I've had to do, I was reading through Jude and I've been praying, God. What, what do we need to do as the church? What do we need? What do I need to do as a believer? What are, you know? And God's so simple and so direct, isn't He? When He speaks, every time He spoke in the Scripture, it wasn't never was complicated. Some people make it so complicated. Jesus made even a child could understand what He said. I know it's hard sometimes. The complications in life is complicated, and all those things. But when Jesus speaks to us, He's direct. And he gave me this scripture, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And some have compassion, making a distinction, but they're saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory, with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. And he said, These are the two things, he said, Dan, that you need and the church needs. You need to be building yourself up by praying in the spirit. If there was ever a time for the church to use their spiritual language, it was amazing, I saw one clip that I wanted to listen to about supposedly who the president's gonna elect as a Supreme Court Justice, and one of the late night talk show hosts, just, I just, after I saw the headline, I don't look at most of these things, I have to, he said, yeah, she's one of those real Catholics, and she's one of them tongue talkers. <laughs> she speaks in tongues. He was ridiculing her and mocking her, get ready for more mocking, but while they mock, And while they say things to us, watch the power of God begin to be manifest to the church in a whole new level. Watch what happens when we're persecuted for righteousness sake. I've been telling you for years, get ready for persecution. I don't know about you. These people that that read the Bible and think it's going to get better and better. I don't know what Bible they're reading. Hello? Hello? It says, in the last days, men will be lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. They'll be heady, high-minded, unholy, unthankful, disobedient to parents. They'll catch the Spirit. They'll be in lawlessness. But, oh, the same Bible says there's going to be a people that know their God. They're going to be strong and do exploits, and God's going to move by his Holy Spirit. So we need to be praying. Are you using your prayer language? Are you praying in the Spirit? I've been praying more in the Spirit than I have in a long, long time. I asked Becky when she was praying for Greg, what are you doing? She said, one day the Lord told me to pray, and she said, I prayed in the spirit for five hours over him in the hospital. All I did was pray in tongues until I couldn't pray in tongues anymore. You and I don't know how to pray for a lot of things, but when we pray in the spirit, we're praying the will of God. And it says, keep yourself in the love of God. We need to be praying in the spirit, and we need to keep ourselves in the love of God. If we're not being motivated by love, we need to check ourselves and say, Lord, I need to get back into the love of God. There's so much anger, so much hurt, so much people firing stuff at people. We're to keep ourselves in the love of God. Keep ourselves saturated in receiving his love so we can release love. Scott and Leanne, Leanne have a young man that's been coming, JP, and this is what I live for. I look for people like that at church. I watched him sit over there and cry and raise his hand and one day the Lord said, I just want you to go over and give him a hug. He goes, he goes, the Lord said he doesn't need a finger in his face. He needs to be loved. Yes, yes, yes. I just went and put my arms around him, and he's gone through a lot of stuff in his life. Wednesday night he came up here and he said, Pastor, can I give you a hug? I've been clean for a few days. Thank you for loving me. That's what I live for. There's all kinds of people out there waiting for you to show up.
0: Waiting to snatch them out of
1: the fire. And some have compassion on. You have to treat every person different because they're all different. Pray in the Spirit. Use your prayer language. Pray in your car. Pray in your home. Pray in the shower. Pray when you're painting the house. You don't even have to have your mind engaged. That's the wonderful thing about it for some of us. Because our mind gets engaged in way too many things. It bypasses your in my understanding, thank God. And guess what happens? You keep yourself in the love of God. And when you start to drift from the love of God and you realize you're getting angry and you're, you're taunting people, don't believe, don't, don't even start to think. And I know there's righteous anger. I know there's righteous anger, but about 99% of what people call righteous anger is not righteous anger. Yeah, right. I tell my Bible school students it produces more heat than light. But when you love people, you always win. When you love God, you always win. Father, we thank you. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for all that we have. All of your kingdom is available to us. When we realize we need you, Lord, and we need to release your kingdom everywhere we go. And you said, blessed are those who mourn, Lord. Cause us to begin to mourn and weep over the lost people in this area, in this nation and the world. Cause us to be a people who will learn to mourn and may the comfort of the mourning be as we see people come to Christ. Lord, when I heard about the revivals a few weeks ago, and I heard about in Houston when the pulpit split and when truckers with big wallets in their back and chains hooked to their belt, parked their 18 wheelers on the side of the freeway and climbed over fences with the truck running and the door open came and fell in the presence of God and began to weep uncontrollably. And when the pulpit split by lightning striking it in the middle, and they were afraid to go on the platform, and it went on for weeks and weeks and weeks where people would come and get saved and healed, and many times the pastors could not even pray. they could not even get up in the front and Lord, there was angelic visitations and people were healed of incredible diseases and then it, it then spread into Baltimore, Lord, and there was reports of, of a of a black man who they believed was an angel would start showing up at the airport with a car and said, you're you're, you're here to go to Rock Church, aren't you? And he would drive them and, and they looked all over for this person that was bringing all these people to the church from the airport and realized there was no such person at the airport. And the lady that came and played the violin and the presence of God would just fill the sanctuary. And then one day she was laying on her black back playing away. And she finally said, I'm so thankful that you let me be here all this time. And God is so good. He's going to bless you in unusual ways. And she walked out of the church building. And one of the ushers ran after her to thank her that we don't know what happened, but we've never had anything. When, when you play, people get healed, delivered. And she said, you're welcome. And then she, as he looked out in the front of the churches, she walked out and turned around and waved by and said, you're, you're welcome. She disappeared right in front of his eyes. For those are Bible things. And God, we want to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And God, if anyone's in the sound of my voice and they've never repented, it said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You cannot see the kingdom, uh, Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3. You can't enter the kingdom unless you're born again. And if you're not born again or you've known him and walked away this morning in the first service, one lady raised her hand and came forward, it's really what we live for, for people to be right with God because we are right with God because of his blood, but our mission is to be kingdom disciples with with the right heart that we will reach the loss that will be like those in Isaiah's days and like Isaiah and say, here am I, Lord, send me. Send me into the middle of these things. Send me into my neighborhood. Send me into my school. Send me into my workplace. Thank you that I could meet my neighbor today. Lord, his name is Adam. It'll be easy to remember. And may he meet the last Adam if he doesn't know you, Lord. Thank you that he stopped this morning and interrupted my schedule. And I wanted to come and prepare my heart. You said, I want you to meet your new neighbor. And God, give us those divine appointments every day of our life. Is there anyone here to say, Pastor Dan, I've never received Christ? Or you're in the sound of my voice watching. You can ask him to come into your heart and forgive your sin. Jesus died on the cross and he left heaven and he came down and he became a man. He was the God-man, totally God and totally man. And he died on the cross to take our place that we could be forgiven, that we could know the purpose of life. Is there anyone say, that's me, Pastor Dan. I need to receive Christ, I need to surrender. I'm not right with God, but I wanna surrender to him. Is there anyone, wave your hand, if that's you real high, just let me see it for a moment. Thank you. Is there anyone else? You'd raise your hand and say, that's me, thank you. Is there anyone else, this is what we live for, thank you. God bless you. God loves you. You know, the world's gone crazy, but I'll tell you there's a kingdom of heaven. It will go on forever and every other every other kingdom will dissolve. Every other kingdom will come to an end, but of his kingdom, there shall be no end. I'd like to ask you to stand. We'd like to pray for you. Would you pray with me for these three that raise their hand? I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come up front. Quickly, thank you for being patient. I didn't go quite as long as my son goes. But but man, I could listen, I don't know about you, but I could listen to his preaching all day and all night. It's awesome, isn't it? And he's a product of this church, of what you poured into him and loved him and helped him. And one day he had a problem in his life. He wrote a book about it. In junior high, somebody exposed him to pornography. And One day he finally came to me and said, Dad, I'm struggling with this. And God set him free. He's gone and told. There's a lot of men that are bound by pornography. I'll tell you, when you come into the kingdom of heaven, Jesus can deliver you from pornography. You don't have to white knuckle it, drug addictions, whatever. We're not ashamed of our past because it was nailed to a cross. And we're new people. So just pray with me. Pray this prayer. And if you raised your hand and this is from your heart, just just pray it out loud with us. We'll all pray with you. Dear Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus for me. I thank you that you love me. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need Christ. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart right now. I repent and turn from my sin. And I turn to you to receive your love and your forgiveness. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead for me. Come into my heart right now. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just uh, congratulate these people? We would, we would love to give you a, a Bible and just some things that will help you about becoming a disciple of Jesus. So we're gonna pray for anybody in need. Some of you might wanna consecrate yourself today. When was the last time you witnessed to somebody? When was the last time you told someone about Jesus? When was the last time you stopped and prayed for someone? You wanna solve the world's problems? Be a witness. Bring the kingdom that's in you and let it come out of you. There's a kingdom of darkness that's ruling and reigning. People are not your enemy. People are just waiting for you to come across their paths. There's a lot of JPs out there that just want somebody to hug them. Just want somebody to acknowledge them that they're going to get out of what they were going through. So if you have a need, you come. And those that raised their hands, if you'd come, we'd like to give you a Bible and pray with you. Just be a minute. We're not here to embarrass anybody. We're here to help you. So if you raised your hands if you'd come. There's people here that are trained in counseling and things, and they'll help you. Thank you for coming. There was a a few more. If you raised your hand, please come. Please come. If you have a need, come. And remember this week, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit and keep yourself in the love of God. And look for those that need compassion. Look for those that need to be snatched out of the fire. The message of the kingdom is the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of Jesus. So I want to just bless you today, and God bless you as you go. If you have needs, you come. If you need healing, kingdom's here. The kingdom of God's at hand.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for the Sunrise Message of the Week. If this message tests you, feel free to share
1: it with a friend. We'll see you next time.